You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. What is up, everybody? It is 12.15 a.m. Tuesday morning. The Buffalo Bills now sit at 12-3 after absolutely throttling the New England Patriots. Uh, I think it's safe to say that the the, the dynasty is dead. Uh, the images that will play uh, from this game uh, over the next few months uh, will be a sight for sore eyes for Bills fans. I am Matt Perino. He is Ryan Talbot. This is the Shout Buffalo Bills football podcast coming to you for our post-game edition. And as always, we're brought to you by Tops Friendly Markets, your neighborhood store with more. Ryan, it was kind of an awkward start to the game. It felt like, you know, the offense wasn't really clicking early on. A couple uh, drop passes, uh, you know, just it, it seemed like one of those games where you're like, you look up, all of a sudden it's 10-10 and you're like, man, are the Patriots going to make this a game? And then Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs took over. And from there, it was just an absolute race. Yeah, it, it kind of reminded me a little bit about their their last matchup here on, on Monday night where you had the Zach Moss fumble and you're like, oh, man, is this game going to be a close one? Are they going to shoot themselves in the foot? Uh, you, you know, the Patriots went up-tempo on offense and that kind of had the Bills on their heels early. Uh, got them some points early on the board. But after that, the Bills settled in on defense, shut everything down, and then after a few frustrating drops I think would be fair to say you know Dawson Knox has one bounce off his hands Taiwan Jones gets one uh, that hits him right in the chest and he can't haul it in Bill's really looking like they're trying to break that record for most uh, touchdown receptions to uh, pl- different players there but after that they settled in and you know Josh Allen finally checked that one box off the list that we haven't seen yet a dominant performance against Bill Belichick and this Patriots defense threw for over 300 yards, went to his number one guy, Stefan Diggs. Diggs just absolutely torched J.C. Jackson after a little bit of early trash talk, uh, beat him on two of his three touchdowns. So, you know, you saw just about everything you wanted out of this offense. You saw a fair amount out of the defense that you wanted to see after a little bit of a slow start. But what a statement win 
among you know what their fifth or sixth statement win uh, of the year here as we enter the final week of the regular season. Well, this was a ghost game. I mean, there's a lot of ghosts in that building. I mean, even last year, you sensed. We talked about this last night. The tide starting to shift in this rivalry. I thought that after a slow start, you know, even with Tom Brady still there, you saw this this Bills offense come to life. I mean, you remember that Dawson Knox play at the goal line and the Stephon Gilmore getting absolutely turned out of his cleats by John Brown and the the the, the high flying touchdown pass that Josh Allen sent down the field. You, you felt it, but it, they weren't quite all there yet. And I think what they were missing was that key ingredient you know that was going to kind of stir the drink for all parties involved and not only for Josh Allen the quarterback but for offensive coordinator Brian Dable opening up the playbook in ways that I think that even the most optimistic fans or you know members of the organization probably didn't envision because of what Stefan Diggs brings Stefan Diggs sets a single season record tonight uh, passes Eric Molds for most receiving yards. I think he's he's just shy of fourteen hundred. Uh, or where is he at now? I think he's over fourteen hundred actually for his yeah, for I his season right in front I'll of me. But <laughs> I'll bring, yeah, I'll bring that up as we go through the 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 show. Josh Allen passes Jim Kelly now thirty four touchdown passes in a season. You know this is a record breaking offense. Arguably, I think now statistics are back, backing it up. The greatest offense in the history of this franchise and. Just go back to that a year ago in that Patriots game. And if I were to sell you this story about what this offense would be in December 2020, you know, it's pretty hard to envision, but I feel like the running was on the wall even then as they were kind of building this thing. Yeah, I think that's fair to say, but you just said it yourself. This is the best offense maybe that we've seen out of the Bills all time. You know, breaking records, we've seen it. And that just should blow your mind if you're a lifelong Bills fan. You've been around for 30, 40 years at least because that Hall of Fame team, Jim Kelly, Thurman Thomas, Andre Reid, James Lofton, the list goes on and on. And mind you, today's game's a lot different, uh, different in terms of throwing the ball around, in terms of offensive outbursts. But that was a special, special team. And you're seeing Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs in this offense shattering these records. You're seeing them move up and down the ball. It doesn't matter what defense they've gone against this year in terms of top five, top ten defenses. They've been moving it up and down the field. There was that one small stint back-to-back games, Titans-Chiefs, where Josh Allen was kind of dealing with a shoulder injury to his, you know, his non-throwing shoulder. But that did really seem to kind of hamper his play a little bit. But besides that, this offense has been able to uh, do whatever they want for the most part against these Great defenses, the Patriots defense, the 49ers. Uh, obviously, Seahawks are not a great defense, but they're playing better as of now. But the Seahawks, they moved up and down the field on them. The Rams, the Dolphins early on in the year, you name it. Josh Allen and this offense has been able to do whatever they want through this passing game. And that really says something because usually if it's, if it's a – I don't want to say flash in the pan, but usually by this point in the season, defenses can start figuring things out in terms of how to slow you down. Well, we're entering week 17 and defenses still cannot figure out how to slow down this passing attack led by Josh Allen. And that really says a lot about this, the players. It says a lot about Brian Dable and it says a lot about this team. Yeah. So he's over 1,450 yards on the season, somewhere around 1,460. Uh, so he's already has the best, uh, Stefan Diggs already has the greatest single season 
uh, you know, in, in Bill's history for a receiver, and he just has a chance to build on it. And I think he's going to get that chance. I mean, Josh Allen talked about it after the game today, you know, they're, they're gunning for the number two seed. They're one win away, a home game against the Miami dolphins who are going back to Tua Tagovailoa, and they can secure that number two seed and they want to do that. And, you know, Listening to them talk today uh, after the game, you know, we, we got a lot of good stuff from Stefan Diggs, who, by the way, has just been absolutely outstanding all year. I said that on the pregame show today. Um, Thad Brown mentioned Eric Mould and how great he was with the media back in the day. And, and I obviously didn't cover the team back then, but, you know, a, a horde of 15 media members would come in interview him for 15 minutes and then they'd all leave and another 15 would come and Eric Mould would answer all those questions. And, you know, I feel like Stefan Diggs has answered the bell, you know, in terms of media and the zoom environment at every, at every turn. And he's just been, it's hard to, it's hard to really encapsulate the value that he's brought because it's been so unbelievably like sweeping. And, you know, Josh, uh, Stefan Diggs, uh, you posted uh, about his interaction with JC Jackson today early in the game. Go check out that story at, at New York Upstate and Syracuse.com. Um, but he also talked about the, the relationship with Josh and, you know, how they've built it and where it's at now. And he said, you know, sometimes the, when things aren't going good and you, you kind of flash back to the page or the Steelers game as one real good example of that, when, you know, the offense was not clicking in that first half. And he said, you know, they're at the stage now where Josh will turn to him and say, and will say, get open and catch the ball and make a play. And he joked tonight. He's like, well, well, shit. He said, I, I better just say, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to think too much. I'm going to do what I do. I have trust in my quarterback and he's a guy that makes it fun. And they're, they're so in sync that that's making it fun too. And I saw somebody on social media, I retweeted it, um, a really cool tweet and sentiment. And it, it was 1030. The game was already pretty much over. And he said, I'm, I've been a Bills fan for over 50 years. I have to work at 5.30 in the morning tonight, but I'm you better believe I'm going to watch every single play of this and enjoy this. It's been years and, and decades of waiting for Bills fans, and now you have an offense that can go blow for blow with any team in this league, and they showed it tonight. I, I thought early on there were signs that you know Bill Belichick had schemed up some things to maybe confuse Josh Allen a little bit, but the patience and the Belief in what they do was going to supersede anything that they were going to do on the other side. It won out before halftime, right? And they had 24 points before halftime. They scored 17 in this game in that stadium a year ago. Yeah, I mean, they were firing on all cylinders. We said that last week against Denver. So offensively, they're coming off of two of their best games of the year in a series of great games. Defensively, they're starting to really shut these teams down. Going back to Diggs real quick, you know, post-game, what did he have to say? He's giving credit to Josh Allen. He's giving credit to Brian Dable, Sean McDermott, the other receivers, the offensive line, and a huge tip of the cap to the offensive line. Josh Allen had 36 passes on the night, and he was hit one time. One time. And, and these were not necessarily quick passes either. There were plays where he was sitting back in the pocket. It looked like he was kind of uh, frozen in a video game, or he was kind of glitching because he was back there so long, just kind of sitting around waiting for someone to get open. So, Everything is going right for this offense, obviously, minus a, a late uh, game injury to Cole Beasley, which we don't know much about at this time. Hopefully nothing too serious as he's such a, an important cog to this offense. But, you, you know, you said it. Diggs has brought so much on the field to this team, but he's also brought so much off the field in terms of 
maybe building up the confidence of some of these guys, adding a little bit of swagger to, to Josh Allen and this team. They feel right now like they can go in and beat anybody. And, and you know, the proof is in the pudding. They're showing that on the field. They're putting up points week in, week out. Defense is making plays. We saw it from Matt Milano time and time again. Jordan Poyer making some big plays in a few series where he, he almost single-handedly shut things down. Uh, we saw the, Bill Belichick finally bench Cam Newton because he he could not do anything against this Bills defense. And week after week, we've heard Belichick say, Newton's our quarterback. Newton's our quarterback. I don't want to answer that question. The Bills literally ended that tenure this week with Cam Newton because of how much they were doing to him. And you said it. They were 24 points at halftime. I don't want to say it was over at halftime, but based on what we saw from that Patriots offense in terms of leaning on the run, you knew that unless they broke one or two huge plays, it was pretty much over at the half. Yeah, um, I'm just following. I, I saw Dawson Knox had a had a tweet, and interesting enough, I saw I saw it in the in the comment section as well. Um, before the broadcast started, and I posted a quick post on it because I thought it was interesting, and it sparked my my intrigue a little bit because Bill Belichick has actually been really complimentary of Josh Allen over the last two years, you know, every time we've gotten a chance to talk to him this week, he was like a little bit more hesitant. I think like he hit, he, he said, well, let me just give you a little, you know, if you missed it, the broadcasters, Brian Greasy and Lewis Riddick, they said in their, in their pregame conversation with Bill Belichick, it seemed like he was, uh, you know, not buying into maybe the MVP hype of Josh Allen and, and maybe, you know, kind of stirring the pot a little bit with those comments, because I think, you know, he has been pretty complimentary in the past. Well, after the game, Bill was asked about it and he said, he basically said, I've been on the record about Josh Allen. Um, I think he's a really good player, blah, blah, blah. So I, I'm not sure if there was maybe something lost in translation there. Uh, but you know, Bill did say this week, like most, he's not surprised about Josh Allen's development because most, most players get better from their rookie year on. So I thought that that was interesting, but I also think it might be something that just got blown up a little bit. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, Belichick, we've seen both ends of the spectrum. We've seen him gush over some really terrible Bills teams and offenses. And, oh, what a great team. And we, we still see that with some teams. So, you know, maybe he was kind of, he knows that this team is really good and he didn't want to openly gush as much as he usually does when he goes in and he knows he's going to stomp a team out. Uh, so who knows? You're right. Maybe lost in translation. Bill Belichick is pretty short with, with the media and some of his responses. Uh, doesn't even though he'll gush sometimes about certain players and teams, he's pretty monotone with his voice in terms of maybe some things getting lost there. Maybe the way he wanted to say something didn't come out the right way, and just the way he he speaks in general. Maybe they kind of took that and ran with it a little bit too, but. Uh, I, I will say to his credit, post game, the way that he embraced Sean McDermott and really uh, spoke for what felt like a long time compared to what you've seen in the past with a quick, brief handshake and, and off they went, uh, really seemed to praise McDermott, praise this Bills team in, in terms of where they're at and where they could be going here in the playoffs. Well, there's a level of respect there, no doubt. I mean, Brian Dable comes from the Patriots tree. Um, the way that Sean McDermott has spoke in reverence to Bill Belichick and the Patriots regime over the years, um, you know, tells you all you need to know about that relationship away from the competition. Um, but I think that, you know, now it's interesting. I haven't gotten a chance to listen to Sean McDermott. I was working on some Josh Allen stuff before we went, but you were in Sean McDermott's press conference and, and he basically was asked about 
transitioning from the underdog to you know a good team? And if you could illuminate a little bit what he was saying in, in that in that part. Well, you know, with Sean McDermott too, he's very careful and very cautious with his words. But it, but the whole thing that he's said since day one is you have to kind of bring this roster along, draft, develop, and bring these guys through. And you're finally seeing that. You know, year one they they sneak into the playoffs. Year two they they fall back to six and and ten, and then get into the playoffs again last year. And every year that he's been asked about the roster, you know, we're we're happy with where we're at, but we're not where we want to be. And this year, I think that they're not only where they want to be, maybe they're a little bit ahead of schedule. And, and I think, you know, he, he's not going to come right out and he's not going to be loud. He's not going to be the Rex Ryan type and be boisterous. I mean, he went as far as to say that he's going to talk with Brendan Bean in terms of this number two seed, uh, in terms of what they want to do next week against Miami, and, and playing your starters the entire game, playing them for a portion of the game. He, he said that that two seed, you know, it, it's more it's important to a very to a, a certain level or degree but for every team it's a little bit different and, and I get that and I understand that you don't want to lose a Stefan Diggs or a Josh Allen or have one of your key players go down in I don't want to say a meaningless game because the number two seed is big for quite a few reasons but the bigger game is coming up on wildcard weekend and, and possibly the weekend after that and the weekend after that so there's a lot to juggle there, but in terms of the team, he knows that what they've built here, they've done a good job between himself and Brendan Bean in terms of the talent that they brought in, in terms of finding the right pieces, finding those veterans that uh, are a culture fit, are a locker room fit, can contribute on the field. So this process that we heard about from day one that maybe made some people roll their eyes a little bit because he kept saying it over and over and over. We've seen it now. We see the results and we see the vision that he has for this team. And if you're a Bills fan, it's got to be the most exciting time right now in well over a few decades because you're seeing the construction of a very special team, a team that is in good shape, even though there's going to be some talented players that could walk out the door at the end of this year. You're still seeing a team that has, that has a lot of young cornerstone players uh, at important positions that are very young. Trey White, Josh Allen, Tremaine Edmonds, the list goes on and on and on. So you have to be impressed with where they're at at this point in time. Yo, man, I'm pumped about how many people are in here right now at 12.30 in the morning. I mean, when the bills are good, you know, people are staying up late. And, and, you know, I know a lot of people have to work tomorrow, but, you know, it's there's a buzz going on within the community about, you know, this team and what they're continuing to do. And, and one of the things, my biggest takeaways, you know, from this game and a lot of these big games is that, you know, Sean talking about going from that underdog team to a team that, you know, knows how to win. and even when the expectation to be good is there, you know, that's something that I think that this team has proved time and time again, all season. And you, you look in this game today, this is like a, you know, again, I think trap game is overused, but this is a game where, you know, the Patriots division games are always tough because of the familiarity between the coaching staffs. And when you throw in a guy like Bill Belichick, who, who has now played Sean McDermott's 
Bills team, what, eight times now? This is the eighth time uh, that they've played against there. There's, an, there's, a, there's a comfort level in game planning, even as good as the Bills have been. So you see how this game starts, and it goes 10-10, and you're, you're sitting back like, oh, man, this, this game might not be a little bit closer than I anticipated. And all of a sudden, it, it just doesn't matter anymore because, to Sean's point, there, I he didn't say this, but what I take away from it is they are starting to learn how to win, and even when the expectations are there, which to me gives should be a source of optimism looking into the playoffs when you may maybe go up against the Baltimore Ravens team with the defending MVP or a Kansas City Chiefs team with you know Patrick Mahomes, the Super Bowl defending champions, and then oh by the way, maybe even a Pittsburgh Steelers team that still has this elite defense and Ben Roethlisberger who might be able to figure it out in the playoffs. There's all these potential matchups that come with, you know, concern, but this is a battle tested team that I don't think any team in the NFL can say they played a tougher schedule and won more high profile games against good teams than this bills team has. Yeah. The bills are in really good shape when it comes to how they've fared against uh, top level competition. I, I like some of the comments here saying I'll sleep at work later. There you go. Uh, right priorities there. But, you know, one thing that actually sticks with me, and I actually, when you were just talking, I went to look it up because I couldn't remember the exact quote. After the Bills lost on that Hail Mary to the Arizona Cardinals, uh, Mario Addison went on Instagram and he posted a picture of himself and he had this quote, and I'll, I'll read it right now. It says, failure defeats losers, failure inspires winners, second half of the season is ours. They could have gone into that bye week uh, after losing that heartbreaker and, and kind of fallen apart like Bill's teams that we have seen in our lifetimes, Matt. We, we've seen some teams that have started out like a ball of fire just to crumble at the end of the year. That's the kind of game that could be a, that would have been a backbreaker for those old Bill's teams. But like Addison said, it, it inspired them. Second half of the season, it has been theirs. They've defeated every team that's come in their path since that game. They've And... As we've gone on these last few weeks, each win has been more dominant than the last. These are not escaping with close victories. You know, the, the Chargers game was kind of close. Then you go in and you have a whole slate of primetime games. You see the 49ers game starts up close. The Bills end up doubling them up before a late garbage time touchdown. They win by 10. So wasn't as close as it looked. Pittsburgh. After an ugly first half, they pull away in the third quarter and really prove that they are a team to be reckoned with in the AFC. Denver, that game was over uh, pretty early on in the third quarter. Tonight, you could say the same thing. So it's unbelievable how well this team has played and responded to that loss. And I know he said second half of the season, it was a later game uh, in terms of when they played, but they've responded to that. And well, you know, you wish they would have won that because then you'd have that number two seed locked up at this point. Maybe it was a wake-up call in terms of the little things that they had to do to, to put these teams away. And it's it's working out for whatever reason. They're really starting to show their dominance in all three phases, as someone mentioned on here, that the, the uh, fake punt was a turning point. Yeah, even the special teams unit is really stepping it up. They've been great all year. But even tonight, you're seeing some new little wrinkles mixed in there, catching the Patriots uh, asleep for once. How scary does it have to be for opposing defensive coordinators and now special teams coordinators to not only have to deal with this passing game that's, you know, just absolutely taking teams 
souls week in and week out. But now you got to worry about all these little wrinkles to your point. Like you know, the trick punt tonight, I mean, it was a perfect ball from Ju Jaquan Johnson. And I thought like somebody mentioned his mechanics and that he didn't move his, his, his legs at all. But I actually thought that the way that he threw the ball was actually perfect for what he was trying to accomplish. He had to get the ball out of his hands as quick as possible. And you almost don't want to tell too much that you're about to throw it. And I feel like if you go back almost in a, like a drop back type of throw, you kind of give that, you know, outside gunner a chance to react and get outside to Saran Neal. And I thought it was a perfect ball at a perfect time. And when you're kind of like, you know, playing as well as this bills team has been playing, you have the confidence to take chances because, you know, also we're going to talk a little bit about this defense coming up. Um, you know, this defense is a completely different unit since the last time this, this, these two teams played to the point where there's a confidence level in taking chances on offense and special teams. We're going to talk about that in a minute. There was a tweet that uh, our uh, Bill's Mafia's old buddy Aaron Schatz put out uh, a little while ago. We'll get into that um, in a moment. Ready for football? Tops is. With ready-to-serve fan favorites, everyone will cheer for. Delicious family or party packs like pizza, sliders, fried chicken, barbecue, or beef on whack. Starting at only $4 per serving. Perfect for game day and any day. Only at Tops. Um, this probably had to be a tough tough night for uh, Aaron Schatz because he is a New Englander. Uh, so I, I'd imagine there's a little bit of a, a Patriots bias there. That's fine. Uh, it's okay. Um, I think Bill's Mafia probably takes issue with his almanac calling um, Josh Allen a, a, a parody of a, a of a quarterback prospect. But, you know, I think at this point, one thing I will say to, to Bill's fans is I, I'd almost put a lot of that to bed because he, he's so good. I mean, I, I tweeted out that, like, you know, there's really no way – that you can't have Josh Allen in the conversation as a top five quarterback in the NFL anymore. It just, it can't be had with the season that he's having. And, uh, you know, who knows what will happen in the future. And, you know, obviously we all know what happened to get him to this point, but, you know, I think that it's just it, at this point, there's still a couple uh, outliers, I guess, but, you know, Aaron Schatz tweeted out tonight uh, using the same, um, uh, his DVOA stat that obviously football outsiders uses. Um, the Bills over the let where is it here? Buffalo defense DVOA weeks one to six, 12.4%, which ranked 30th in the NFL. Weeks seven to 16, minus 10.3%, which ranks sixth in the NFL. And basically they take all the plays for you know for the DVOA stat and they and, and they factor in the situation in the game. So for instance, uh uh a eight-yard completion on a third and twelve. Will, will carry much less value than a five-yard completion on third and four. And they take all the situational stuff into, into account and how the team is uh, or players individually are performing, and they kind of have an algorithm for how they put it together. And basically, by their metrics, the Bills have been the sixth-best defense in the NFL You know, the second half of the season. And you could see it in so many different ways. And um, I, I don't believe they – let me see here. I don't believe they took the ball away tonight, did they? Uh, no, no turnovers in this game at all tonight on either side. And that's rare, Ryan, because they dominated this game and they did it without turning the ball over. So just imagine what this team is going to be able to do when they have both of those kind of things working. And I think, you know, this was a very um, tempered game plan for this offense. Cam Newton only threw for 34 yards. 
he is gonna, you know, they, they gotta they gotta figure out something different. And you know, you spoke about Cam Newton. I I think it's really maybe time for him to evaluate things, and he may have to entertain a backup role next year. There there's something wrong with his throwing mechanics. I don't know if it's still the shoulder, uh, but it looks like that that train is completely off the tracks. Um, but as far as the Buffalo defense is concerned, they're going into the playoffs playing their best football of the season. Yeah, the only issue with the Bills defense right now is stopping the run at times. Early on in the game, New England had success moving the ball, getting some big gains here and there. But that's the beauty of this Bills offense. The Bills offense has been putting up points left and right early in games. And when you're scoring touchdowns, that makes the opposing team have to throw the ball a little bit more. And that kind of masks the the run defense a little bit. Now, mind you, the Bills defense stepped up in the second half significantly in terms of stopping the run. They, they did their job. But that but having an offense that can be so high-powered can make teams go away from strength like that. And come playoff time, when you're going against possibly a team like the Colts who can run the ball very well, a team like the Browns who can run the ball very well, if Buffalo is putting up points left and right, you can't just say, I'm going to hand the ball off 30 40 times in a game because then you're going to get yourself deep into a hole and it's not going to work out for you. So that's the beauty of this offense and defense working hand in hand, but the defense is playing at an extremely high level. Uh, you, you mentioned no turnovers. I don't know how that wasn't the case because uh, Dean Marlowe's sack where he really hit Cam Newton from behind. I was stunned that Newton held on to that ball because Newton did not feel him coming. His arm was kind of rearing back. He wasn't necessarily protecting the football. I thought for sure that was going to be a, a fumble on that play, but it didn't end up happening. But you, you're seeing the pass rush get home. You're seeing some some great tackling. That's been an issue with the Bills over these last few years. They uh, kind of run a little bit of an option. Newton does it. It was like a third and two play, and he, and he pitches it out to James White. And I think it was Matt Milano that came up there, grabbed him by the legs, wrapped him up, stopped him short. Milano was making plays all over the field tonight. Uh, late in the game, you know, the game was already out of hand, but they're handed off to J.J. Taylor, and A.J. Klein comes bursting through and stops him. Early in the game, Ed Oliver with a, a loss of three yards on, on a run play where he comes in and makes that play. Quentin Jefferson flies through the line to sack Cam Newton. They're getting contributions from the defensive line, the linebackers, the secondary, you name it. The defense looks more like that top three, top five unit that we have come to expect out of them year in and year out. Um, I know that there is a, there's a question on Twitter about the Cole Beasley injury. Uh, there hasn't been an update provided to my knowledge. I wasn't on Sean McDermott's call and I'm not sure if he dove into it, but definitely keep, keep it, keep it on the, the website. I think we'll get to talk to Sean and the team tomorrow. So we'll get a, a better idea of where that, that stands, but it looked like he walked off the field. So I think that that's at least a good, a good indicator that maybe it's hopefully not that serious for, for his case, because, you know, he's, you know, a couple yards away now from uh, a thousand for the first time in his career, he had, uh, let me see. I think they were going to him there late in the fourth quarter to try to get that up a little bit. He had 17 tonight on three catches. I think he needs about 30 or 35 more yards to, to pass that. So that's, that'll be something to, to track over the, this next week. So here's one thing I want to talk about too. You know, this has been a very pro Brandon Bean podcast. I mean, we, we've, we've talked plenty about the job that he's done, but I feel like you, we need to spend a little bit more time tonight really marveling at the roster construction that, that has been, that has taken place. And, you know, the bills are really healthy right now, but you look up and down this roster at a couple really key positions and the depth 
that we're seeing. You mentioned Dean Marlowe. What a what a benefit it is to have a guy like that to come in for Jordan Poyer or Micah Hyde. We've seen him come in for both of those guys over the years, and he's such a proven commodity in that role. Like, is there a drop off in play when Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer are on the field? Of course, but Dean Marlowe brings a consistent playmaking ability we saw it tonight we saw recover the fumble in the last Patriots game he's a guy that just is is comfortable in this defense and he has proven to make plays you look at the cornerback position Levi Wallace starting for them they can go to Josh Norman if they need to they have Dane Jackson who's coming and played two games and played well uh you look at the at linebacker position Tremaine Edmonds Matt Milano healthy right now AJ Klein was maybe this this team's best defensive player for three weeks in the middle of the season. And you see how AJ Epinesa is coming along. Jerry Hughes is having another great season. You saw Quinton Jefferson pop tonight on a third down pass rush, getting a sack, go over to the offensive line. This might be the deepest wide receiver room in the league. And, and then Tyler Croft, who I think can be a guy that you can count on. He can barely get a game day Jersey unless there's an injury involved. And, And obviously Reggie Gilliam's out. The offensive line, the depth at on the inside and at tackle with Ty Inseki and and Ryan Bates, who I know the Bates Hive is is a powerful unit out there, and and who knows, maybe next year you'll get a chance to see him get some some uh, sustained playing time. But everywhere you look on this team, there is there is proven experience and depth, and I don't think you can understate that for a team that, although healthy right now. They're one injury away from, you know, you're scratching your head a little bit and, and, and maybe some panic setting in. But because of the way that this thing's been built, there's guys that can step in that have an understanding and can perform. Yeah, you know, the one thing that Brendan Bean, I think, does perfectly is he has the right mix of veterans and then young talent in terms of that depth that you mentioned. Look in the secondary. Dean Marlowe has been with this regime since the Carolina Panthers days. So, yeah, he knows this system really well. Then you have a young guy like Jaquan Johnson, who I think is going to see a bigger role over time. You have guys like Saran Neal uh, that you've drafted, Taron Johnson that you've drafted. Obviously, he's more of a starter, but um, you you bring in a Josh Norman to kind of uh, work hand-in-hand with Levi Wallace. Linebacker room, you mentioned A.J. Klein. They're finding these these gems after the draft uh, or, or contributors at, at the minimum. You have a Tyrell Dodson uh, that can step up and play a little bit of linebacker. Defensive line, you're seeing A.J. Epinesa flash more. He, you know, I, I thought that roughing the quarterback flag was pretty iffy. I know he went a little high there, um, but I thought that was a, a good play. And, boy, what burst did he show? or showed great burst on that play to get to, to uh, the quarterback so quickly you're seeing Daryl Johnson step into a bigger role. You have Mario Addison. So they're adding these – he adds all these pieces, and you can go position by position. You can go to the running back room and how they've had TJ Yeldon on the you know, uh, on the uh, inactive list pretty much all year, and obviously right now on that COVID reserve list. Uh, but he's been inactive, but he's that veteran presence in the running back room. They've had a mix of young guys and veterans in the wide receiver room. You bring in a guy like Gabriel Davis, who they went to numerous times tonight long, I didn't really connect there necessarily, but he was, he's been a big contributor as a rookie, but you have a lot of veterans mixed in there. Tight end room, a good mix again. Lee Smith, Lee Smith looking elusive out there on the field tonight on his <laughs> touchdown. And then on, on the, along the sidelines, just wide open. If he had any inkling of speed, that could have been a touchdown on the sideline, uh, but he still rumbled it down deep in, into uh, Patriots territory on the other catch. But, He's just finding the right mix. He's not depending too much on rookies. He's not going out of his way to bring in too many veterans 
that stunts the growth of these young players. It's a, it's just what he's done so well is finding those guys and, and bringing in uh, players post uh, draft that can contribute. Ike Butker, for instance, has been playing very, very well. And he was a, a, an undrafted free agent. I know they traded for Ryan Bates, but Bates is another one of those guys that did not get drafted. And then the bills trade for him late in the preseason last year. That gives you hope for some of these guys that, that are on the practice squad this year for a guy like Trey Adams, who, who, high pedigree at one point or, or a high draft stock at one point in his college career before injuries took over and, and really uh, plagued him. But you've seen it with Bates. You've seen it with Butker. You've seen it with some other guys along the way. So maybe there's other guys waiting in the wings that are going to step up over these next few years. So yeah, we've openly praised Brendan Bean quite a bit, but it's well-earned and well-deserved praise because of how he has brought this roster along with just a perfect mix of veterans and then youth. Um, a couple things here uh, tonight, too. Uh, before the game, earlier this afternoon, it was announced that the Josh Allen uh, donations for his grandmother, Patricia Allen, have been pushed over $1 million. Absolutely unbelievable. A $217,000 donation from a Bills fan, uh, Sue McCollum, uh, pushed over a m- million. I thought it was super cool and, and, and wanted to mention it on the show. Uh, another thing... Um, Two, I wanted to give a shout out to, and I just re- retweeted this as well. Um, you know, the Josh Josh Norman uh, charity is doing this really awesome uh, drive for small businesses in Buffalo, and they've raised uh, nine, almost a hundred thousand dollars. Their goal is a, a million, and basically the funds are going to be used to help small businesses, you know, in the Buffalo community that have been affected by COVID. And you know, that's one you know thing that I don't think has gotten enough shine. You know that that what he's trying to do, and he's been really active in the community since he signed, which really has taken me aback because you know not that he's doing it. I I, I know nothing about Josh Norman really, especially in the Zoom environment. Um, but that a, a free agent coming on a one-year deal, a veteran, the way that he's invested in the community and, and, and stood up for the community, really cool story. I think it's definitely worth uh, checking out. It's um, stars, S-T-A-R-Z-24.org. Uh, you can you can donate right on this, the website, and they're working their way up. Uh, it's getting It's gaining more traction as we go here, and I think it's a really cool initiative for a lot of folks that are hurting right now. Yeah, again, the Bills Mafia continues to give back time and time again. You have a fan that helps push, uh, you know, Oshai over a million dollars in donations in honor of Josh Allen's uh, grandmother. And, and then, like you said, Josh Norman coming in, doing these things. We've seen it time and time again, Andy Dalton, obviously, before that. Uh, and, and there's been other instances as well, obviously, where, the, where this community has stepped up and these – players have, have shined a light on different issues and then not even necessarily uh, raising money, but you know, ESPN tonight, I was happy that they brought up that story with Gabriel Davis and uh, the, the, you know, making that wish come true for the young boy, raising the money uh, for, for the, the legs for the boys, sending them to Disney. Uh, and it wasn't just Gabriel Davis on his own, obviously. Uh, and another teammate there to help him out along the way as well. So, you know, it, it, the players are invested in the community, but they're also invested in helping out others, just like this fan base is. And that's what kind of makes this all so special is how the fans care so much about this team, but you can tell the team really cares about the fan base and, and they, how they really hope that they can get them in the stands here uh, on wildcard weekend. 
So there's this uh, this video that's that's being shared quite a bit around, and it's a it's a Boston sportscaster, uh, and I have not heard it yet. But because of how much I've seen it shared while we've been doing this show, I'm going to play it now, and we'll have some live reaction to it because I think that that's uh, it looks like a cool little little bit. So we'll see what we'll see what he says. This game, and I say it as a compliment to both the old Patriots and the new Bills. But when the Bills faked a punt from their own 35 yard line in the first quarter, it was like the baton of arrogance was being passed from the Patriots to the Bills because what it said was the Bills had little or no respect for the Patriots' offense. If the fake punt had failed, the Patriots would have already been in scoring position, and the Bills didn't care. It also said the Bills were supremely confident that they were going to win this game. They didn't fake punt out of desperation or fear. They did it because whether it worked or it didn't work, they believed they would control-slash-dominate this game. That play called that early in the game was the moment that the Bills said, we're the alpha dogs now, and they had plenty of bark and bite left in them throughout the rest of that game. Do Indeed. I think that that encapsulates what happened tonight pretty pretty well because, you know, I think going into this game, Ryan, we talked about it a little bit earlier in the show, but it, it bears repeating – this this wasn't just like a a AFC East champion Bills taking on a you know a, a kind of a laughable Patriots team. There was real potential for you know a dogfight in a lot of ways because of you know the pride of Cam Newton. You saw it come out on that first drive uh, or that first touchdown where he he kind of shook somebody off in the backfield. He should have been sacked. Although Mario Addison, to your point on the tweet, he definitely was held on that play. Uh, but he scampers out to his left. I don't really know what Tremaine Edmonds was doing on that play. He looked like he was tracking him pretty well. And then all of a sudden just kind of like got there and fell forward. And Cam kind of just like whoop and kind of sidestepped him. And he walked into the end zone. But this was a just absolute outclassing in terms of what the Bills did in every phase of the game to the Patriots in this game. Yeah, and I actually like exactly what he said you know, ha drawing up that fake punt so deep in your own end so early in the game when it was still a, a close game at that, they, they didn't have any respect for this Patriots offense. You could see that they were daring them to pass at times and uh, sometimes Newton could drop it off for a short gain, but there's a reason he ended up with less than 50 yards passing and why Stidham struggled. Uh, this is a very one-dimensional offense, but the Bills pretty much came in and said, we are the alpha dogs here. We are going to convert this. And even if something happens where we don't, we don't worry about this uh, the Patriots offense. We're going to hold them to three at minimum, uh, or at most, I should say. So that was huge. And then to the counterpoint of that, how many times in this uh, series, this you know what has generally been a beatdown over the last 20 years with the Bills on the receiving end of said beatdown, have we seen the Bills punt in plus territory where it's like, why are you punting here at this point? There was a time where the Patriots were facing a fourth and manageable uh, over midfield, if I remember correctly, and they punted it. And at this point, the Bills had had a decent lead, but I, I wouldn't say it was necessarily out of hand yet. But that showed how little confidence they had in their offense. It showed that they were pretty much waving the white flag at that point in the game. And it was early third quarter, if I'm recalling this correctly. Uh, so 
where the Bills kind of came out and said, hey, we're going to go for it here. We're going to throw, you know, catch you sleep and catch you off guard and, and move the chains. The Patriots kind of went with that old Bills. We're going to punt it here, even though it's fourth and manageable because we know we can't, we, we don't have the offensive firepower to do much against this team. What do you think about the running back share tonight, Ryan? Zach Moss, 12 carries, 57 yards, 4.8 a pop. Devin Singletary, who who got some looks on that first drive. I thought we this might be a Devin Singletary game coming, but he ends up with 10 carries, 36 yards, 3.6 uh, a rush. And Zach Moss gets his fourth touchdown of the season, three now against the New England Patriots. He loves playing against that New England Patriots run defense. But I thought that, you know, you know, Josh Allen had 35 on four carries, had one, uh, two big runs there. The Bills had 130 on the ground. But again, I mean, this this seems to continue to be a trend where um, Zach Moss is kind of being the featured back in, in, in this offense. And I, and I don't know if that's going to be an every week thing, but I thought today after what looked like a good start for Devin Singletary, you know, it was Zach Moss who I think they went to because Singletary just wasn't having as much success as the game went on. Yeah, you know, you mentioned at the end it was almost a, a 50-50 split in terms of overall carries, but I, I don't I, I feel like Moss has been the more effective back over these last few weeks, and it's something that the Bills have to consider in terms of uh, giving him more of the workload, giving him more of the share, letting him get into more of a rhythm in these games because, you know, next week against Miami, there is seeding on the line for Buffalo in terms of possibly getting that number two seed. Uh, but come playoff time, January in Buffalo, who knows what the elements are going to look like. And you want a back that can, can move the chains and move the ball. And even when Moss wasn't breaking off big runs, he was in those third and short, second and short situations, and he kept his legs moving. And he was able to keep, uh, you know, to help the Bills sustain drives. And that's big. Singletary had that late touchdown run against the Broncos last week, but even in that game, Moss was the more effective back. We're starting to see Moss kind of take over that role, and at least in my opinion. So I would like to see in this Dolphins game, if they are going to play their starters for a prolonged amount of time, give Moss the, the bulk of the carries. Still work Singletary, and Singletary can make guys miss. Um, John Simon, you know, lost his ankles early on in the game from a move that Singletary put on him and, and gained some yards. But just like you're seeing with with Allen throwing it to Diggs and Beasley repeatedly and probably John Brown when he gets back in there, he's going to the the, the main guys. The Bills don't have a main guy in the backfield right now, but Moss has maybe earned that right to get that first look at being the main guy work on this final week of the regular season. And then if it works out well, and he's running as well as he has over the last few weeks, make him the guy in the playoffs as well. So what do you think about next week, Ryan? Should, you know, I felt like Josh Allen's press conference and Sean McDermott's press conference gave me two different vibes of what the approach is going to be like in Miami, where he had to go back and, you know, we talked with Brandon Bean, Josh Allen seemed very direct when talking about wanting to go for the number two seed. And, you know, the Steelers are in a tough spot because while they've already clinched the AFC North, if they want the two seed, they're going to have to hold off a Browns team that you figure is probably going to get their receivers back and is going to be hungry for a win because it's basically win and you're in, lose and you're probably out. So I, I think that that's a situation where you're the Bills. You're not going to kind of sit back and, and just think that the, the Steelers are going to lose and you'll you'll get it by uh, default because. Um, I think you got to go out there and you got to play to to win that game to try to get the, the two seed. And I know home field advantage doesn't matter 
as much this year, but, you know, Sean's talked a lot about like what, you know, and I give him credit for this. He, he, he really does have his finger on the pulse of the, you know, the city and in this fan base, how much this means to, you know, Bill's fans and having home playoff games, the chance for two home playoff games for a team that hasn't had one in over two decades, I think is worth playing for and playing your starters for next week. Yeah, and maybe what the Bills do is they do a little bit of scoreboard watching, but I would be shocked if they're not playing their starters at least for the first half. Now, you mentioned it. The Browns are coming out. They're going to be playing for a spot in the playoffs. Um, they're going to be playing, you know, to, to end one of those long postseason droughts to, to kind of put a stamp on their regular season, especially after coming off of a loss to the Jets where, yes, they were without some of their – uh, main targets or four of their targets in the receiving game, but th- they didn't go to their backs a lot. It was a bad game plan. So they're going to come out motivated. And, and maybe if in the third quarter, late in the third quarter, the Browns have a sizable lead, maybe that's when you kind of say, okay, regardless of our score, whether we have a lead, whether it's a close game, whether it's tied, maybe that's when we kind of rest our guys too because we know we're going to get that number two seed based on the, the score in the, in the Cleveland-Pittsburgh game. But yeah, you, you have to at least come out and play them for, a, I feel like, a sizable portion of the game so that way they are in rhythm come wildcard weekend. Uh, you want them at their best, obviously. Now, if they were playing for a bye in, in round one, like the number two seed would be in, in previous years, then, yeah, you, you're going all out in this game. You're playing it like it's a playoff game. But I just feel like you're going to almost be scoreboard watching a little bit in that second half to see, okay, do we have to keep our guys in because – making sure that you have everyone healthy for the playoffs is just as important as how you end this regular season, uh, in my opinion, at least. Were you surprised at all that how much Matt Milano played in this game? I feel like he, his his snap got, got, count got dialed up pretty high. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, and you know, in the, in the second half it gets a little bit hazy, and, and especially in a blowout, I'm kind of furiously writing. and, and going, He played a big chunk of this game tonight. I mean, he might have been close to you know, 70 80% of snaps. Yeah, I'm I'm not overly surprised. I, I think that one, it's it was a confidence over these last few weeks in terms of his play and seeing how much better he was getting week after week after week. But I think you also had to ease him back in. And now that you've eased him back in since he's since he's returned to this lineup, you see that one, it's kind of like Tremaine Edmonds with that shoulder injury they had earlier on in the year. You're seeing him play with more confidence. You're seeing that it's not hampering his play. Uh, we mentioned one game where he kind of had his arm pinned to his shoulder and he couldn't make a tackle. I think it was in the Titans game, perhaps. Uh, I'm blanking on that right now. but It was the Patriots game, the last Patriots, Patriots game. game. Okay. So when it's affecting your play like that, you know, you don't want a guy out on the field for a lot of snaps. You have to limit it. But he's he's flying around the field. He's making big plays in the backfield. He, he's tackling guys short of the, the chains uh, in open field situations, one-on-one situations. So as long as the peck is not hampering his play anymore, the injury is not affecting him whatsoever, yeah, get him out there because he is your most athletic linebacker. He's the guy that can cover. He can make those big plays, and he, and he brings another uh, he brings us another wrinkle to that defense in terms of what he can do. So I'm not shocked by it. And you, you're going to want him out there regardless of who you play in the first round of the playoffs for the majority of those snaps. So you're also getting him ready for that role as well. You know, we did see a couple times tonight sprinkled in that uh, base four three that you were talking about uh, before we uh, did our show the other night and asking if if that's something that we could see more down the stretch. And I think that you know, especially on on, on downs where you want to send pressure and you got to be careful because 
you know, you could really start to show your cards a little bit when they're out there in terms of what you do. But having AJ Klein and Matt Milano and the luxury of how you send different guys, you know, that could be something that to look at as the Bills move forward, especially against teams that, you know, maybe like the Browns, you know, if that ends up being a first round matchup where you want to try to, you know, shut down the run a little bit and you know, have a couple more, you know, uh, sure, sure tacklers out there. Having the, you know, Klein and Milano on the field at the same time could be something to look at. Yeah, it's all going to come down to the matchups. And, and you've mentioned it, the Bills that have been running out of the nickel more than anything else this year. That's pretty much been their base defense. But when you are going against a team like the Patriots who are one-dimensional and they run the ball a lot, or I'm not calling the Browns one-dimensional, but obviously the strength of their offense is the run game. I would probably say the Colts, the strength of their offense is the run game right now too. They have a lot of different backs and do a lot of different things. So depending on the situation, it's good to get these guys some reps in, in the 4-3 and get those looks and see how, how they play because they might need them to play in that uh, in that base defense a little bit more come wild card weekend or the weekend after that, depending on who they play. If you're going against a, a uh, Titans team that can hurt you with Derrick Henry, for instance, it, you know, it all depends on the matchup, but nothing wrong with getting uh, that defense out there, the base four, three, seeing how they look with, with your three core linebackers out there. You mentioned Klein was maybe the best defender for a, a three week stretch for this team. We know what Milano can do. We know that Edmonds is playing better despite uh, the, the Cam Newton touchdown tonight. He, he's been playing good football too. So, Absolutely nothing wrong with mixing things up a little bit. No, this is the most messed up you'll ever see my hair. Like <laughs> it is, it's almost one thirty in the morning. Uh, it's been a, it's been a long day. Uh, another prime time game. It's been quite a run. Listen, we're going to, we're going to run out of here. There is a huge, massive monumental show coming on Wednesday afternoon. It's going to be a little earlier than usual. We'll be live at four 30 Eastern time. Special guest, still in the final stages of confirming it. I can't tip my hand just yet, uh, but also we'll have uh, John Crick from the from the Toronto uh, from Toronto. He covers the Bills. He covers the NFL. Uh, he is awesome. He he uh, is coming off of a, a national award, I believe, that he just won. Phenomenal columnist for the uh, Toronto Sun, uh, and, and I miss hanging out with him in the in the press box and at, at different events. So we'll hang out with him for a little while as well on on Wednesday. Uh, keep it logged on to Syracuse.com, NewYorkUpstate.com all week long. Ryan, get yourself to bed. You earned it. A lot of work today. Uh, this was a fun one to cover. I hope you all enjoyed it, and we will see you on Wednesday. Don't miss it. Set, Make sure you set notifications, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter. That's where we'll be live, 4.30 Eastern time on Wednesday. You're going to want to see this. And uh, as always, subscribe, rate, review on all the audio platforms because just in case you can't catch it live, you can always get the audio-only version on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, uh, Podbean, all those all those apps. Uh, we're always there for you. Have a great night and enjoy the victory 12-3 and for the Buffalo Bills with a chance to win 13 games for the first time in a whole bunch of years, just like all these other records that they seem to be making this year. So uh, have a great night. Enjoy your uh, Tuesday morning, and we'll see you on Wednesday. Ready for football? With every game a home game, Tops is ready for you with its TV a day giveaway. For six weeks, every day you shop is a new chance to win a massive 70-inch 4K TV. Shop Tops for the best deals in town. 